Hello and welcome to a very special Little Yellow Bird podcast. My name is John Rogers. I am Big Grant Holt on Twitter. And also I have with me the amazing Dan Brigham, who is also on Twitter under Dan underscore Brigham, if you want to follow him. Now, we are the owners and the proud owners, I should say, of the Little Yellow Bird Project, which is a website we set up at the beginning of the season to have previews, to have um, amazing, interesting articles, and also a podcast, which we are listening to right now and essentially to not take football too ser- seriously exactly we had when we first started we had two things that we wanted to do is a be fan funded which we are and also pipe dream was to have david manali on the podcast never going to happen john not going to happen Although we had today a very exclusive interview with Mr. David McNally. We were given um, 20 minutes of his time, which turned out to be 50 minutes of his time. And we had, we spoke about a lot of things like Dan. Yeah, we did. I mean, we, we went in there not to grill him, but we covered a lot of topics and he gave really sort of forthright and interesting views on his sister's thoughts on the season, the recruitment process to get Alex Neil in, Alex Neil's future at the club, whether he's definitely going to be here at the end of the season. Talks about overseas investment in the club, the atmosphere at Carrow Road, ticket pricing at the ground, missing out on transfer targets in summer. And he also says the word piffle as well. We loved him saying piffle. And he, he rarely gives interviews, so we're, we're so pleased that he uh, agreed to talk to us. It was great. Yeah. So, guys, this is the Little Yellow Bird Project. We're hoping to do a lot more of these different things. And here is the interview. Hello and welcome to the Little Yellow Bird podcast. We have with me Dan Brigham, but more importantly, we have with us Mr. David McNally. How are you, David? I'm fine, thank you, John. Brilliant. So we've got lots of questions and we just want to have a conversation, just to, just to, just to chat about all things Norwich, all things football and all things yourself, that's all right. The first kind of thing we want to talk about is how do you think the season's gone so far? Um, that's a great question. Isn't it? The season's probably gone... Uh... In terms of where we are currently after 26 games, probably gone as we expected. I know there have been plenty of bumps along the way and we've had a a really difficult spell recently, but I think most Norwich City fans, honestly, um, from the start of the season, would have expected this to be a tough season. We set ourselves the target of staying in the league this year and doing as well as we can. Um, We're still on target to do that, albeit we'd like some some room between us and the bottom three, please. Um, so, yeah, on reflection, I think the season has gone as, as we expected in terms of position and probably points. I think we've been a bit unlucky at times. West Ham away, uh, Crystal Palace at home, Stoke at home, the name three. won't mention the Liverpool game, of course. Um, so I think we've been a little bit unlucky. So we haven't had the rub of the green, um, but we don't factor that into our plans anyhow. Um, but we're still above that line which is important and uh, yeah staying in the Premier League and doing as well as we can means 17th is a minimum 17th is, is acceptable but would like to be a few points or a few places higher than that I mean we've got to play um, Sunderland and Newcastle at home and they're both below us I think that's so important I think that gives us a little bit of an advantage I mean it's, it's a home game we've been quite good at home I think overall you think 
Yeah, and I think I think we've got half of, uh, sorry, two thirds of our points from home, which is um, probably what we expect. You know, Norwich City and Carroll Road, and it, 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 over the years it has it has been a, a really good hunting ground for us points wise. I think historically we found it difficult. If you look back over a hundred and however many years, we've found it difficult to muster away points consistently. Well, why do you think that is? Why is that in football? I've never uh, really worked it out. So the only thing I, could, I always thought about is is the home. Crowd getting on the referees. Psychological. I think. I think. I think. In the old days, when travel was more difficult than it is today, I think then that may have been a reason as opposed to an excuse. Um, that uh, we, we clearly, it's always difficult for us to travel compared to, let's say, a West Brom or a, a Leicester who uh, are centrally based. But in the modern times, where, as, as everybody knows, you know, if, if it's a distance hour, players will travel, always travel the night before, and always travel on a plane if it's a distance. So. We can take that particular reason away. Um, I do think in this league, though, we are... Um, you know, I'd love to say that we're a big team in the Premier League, but we're not. And so I think if you look back, statistically, most teams in the... Even 10th, 11th or 12th, most teams will end up winning three or four away games. We've won two. And I'd, be, I'd take now winning four away games by the end of the season. And... Sort of a big part of the season and how well it's gone has obviously been the two transfer windows. Uh, we're quite interested in, you know, a lot of people have talked about who we bought, etc. But we're yeah. quite interested in how they work. Sort of, yeah. How do they work with agents? Do you get emails? Do you, get, do you talk to agents? Do you get on the phone yeah. to them? Are there some agents you trust and some you just leave the phone down and don't answer to? All, all of those things, really, yeah. I mean, it, uh, agents are, are necessary in football. The, the way that we've allowed the game to be structured... I think when we set up agents in the late 80s, early 90s, I think the clubs got the decimal point in the wrong place. So instead of 5% commission, they should have got 0.5 <laughs> and still been very well off for the amount of work so that no they've done. no going back now, I guess. There's no, well, it's hard. I mean, there are owners that have tried, Dan, and, and guess what? They end up not signing players. Hmm. So um, they are necessary. And they're like any profession. I suppose, you know, you could have lawyers and one extreme there are the best lawyers and the other extreme there are the worst lawyers. Um, it's the same with agents, but the extremes are wider. And um, there are some excellent agents who do a really good job for their clients. Um, I recall one agent here where we were talking about a young player in our under-21 squad and uh, the agent was really keen to get this deal done on the same day that he was talking to Real Madrid about Gareth Bale. Right. Uh, now... For me, that's a good agent. That's an agent who cares about his clients, cares about his young players, and cares about the game. Um, clearly, the, the commission that he got from me for the young player was very different to the commission he got from Real Madrid. Um, but that didn't matter. He, he's a professional, and he, he looked at it in a very um, professional, long-term way. But there are some rogues in it's the agency shame world. the paperwork can get mixed up, couldn't it? <laughs> Oh, God, we just signed on Yeah. Um, so, can you, if you can, can you, January the 1st, we're mm. gonna, we want to sign player X. Yeah. What, what happens? Let's say domestic okay. player. So, January the 1st. So, so what we have here is that we have, the people that are involved in that are Alex Neal, who's the yeah. manager, myself, because I, I, I um, am responsible for football business, and the board at this football club deem the person that's actually with the key to the safe needs to be a director. That's a decision that we've made. Um, Ricky Martin as technical director helps um, um, but you're probably aware that we had Barry Simmons who was our head of recruitment uh, who left the business in March 2015 
We haven't filled that vacancy yet, so instead of there being four sitting around the table talking about recruitment, there's probably three. We've then got a team of scouts that work for the recruitment team, a head of scouting in Lee Darnborough, a head of technical scouting in Donald Barron, um, because there are lots of systems and lots of analyses and uh, lots of pieces of software and kit that we use to look at players. The, the old days of videos and DVDs are long gone. So it's, it's not just a scout telling you he's got a great left foot. Well, do you know what? It's still part of it because I genuinely believe that there are some people who have a knack for spotting a player and can watch a game differently than the rest of us. Yeah, I haven't. I know that. I'm used to it. He's good. The next season he's gone. And I think most, I think most people are probably in that category, John. Because, <laughs> uh, because I, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, there'll be people that are telling me all about a game and they've sat two rows behind me yeah. and I've listened to them talk through the, uh, the whole 95 minutes. So, um, so we've, it's all about opinions, isn't it? So we'll, we will have scouts who do go and watch the games and we've got a technical scouting team who are analytical or looking at the detail. Prior to that, we'll have you know, looked at the criteria that we're looking for in each player. Um, but I must stress that at our club, and it's always been the same throughout my time here, is that Alex Neal will have the final say on players in and out. Always. Uh, we cannot hold the manager of the football club responsible for trying to win football matches if we then control who he signs or who he releases. So Alex Neal 100% has the final decision. That means that let's say we have a budget for a centre-half and we've got £5 million. Pounds. I'll work with Alex to try and find one to fit the budget. Um, sometimes that might mean we can stretch it either way. You know, might save some money or might have to go to six or maybe a little bit more. But it doesn't mean that Alex, because he's got the final say, says, I know we've got £5 million, David, but I want that one and it's ten. That's not how it works here. Yeah. Because we are a non-benefactor club. That means that we don't have... I don't have anybody giving me any extra cash at the end of the year to balance the books. We've got the best owners by far, by a million miles in the game. Um, they watch every game, home and away, League One, Championship, Premier League. No other sets of owners do do that. They just care passionately about this club. But they're not the richest owners. And so what we earn, we can spend. And so I have to be quite firm with the budgetary process because... What we earn, we can spend. I, I don't have the, the ability to then say, OK, well, let's worry about that. Extra, It's only 15 million. It's worth a punt. Let's look at what the Premier League's like next year. If we don't have it, we can't spend it. You mentioned the recruitment team maybe sort of missing one piece. Yeah. Do you think that was a bit of a handbrake in the summer? In terms no, of the not, transfer window? not at all. I think, I think it, 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 in, in a way, it, you know, the fact that, uh, I mean, Barry and I had worked together at Fulham and Barry was, was a terrific scout, but... Times change and things move on. And for us right now, we needed to go into a different direction. In, in fact, it allowed us, myself, Alex, with Ricky, to sit down and, and develop the, the scouting team, the yeah. technical scouting team. It allowed us to be really all over it. Um, what didn't help us in the summer, if going back to the summer, of course, was some of the, uh, some of the best days in our history. Playoffs and playoff final meant that we were a month behind our peers yeah. in developing squads for the new season because we couldn't do anything before then you know which um, league you're going to be in. Yeah, exactly because you say to me january the first when does it you know what happens well january the first starts on september the second mm. when you finish the window you look at where you are what's gone well what's gone less well what could we have done differently what are we pleased about i need normally make a list of all the people i've fallen out with 
uh, my PA then, Rachel. How long is that list? Sometimes it can be long. <laughs> sometimes it can be. The print so, costs must be nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and I've learned to swear in lots of different languages, which is, <laughs> which is useful in this uh, global game of ours, too. What's your, what's your Italian like, by the way? Not, not so good, but it, you know, I, you know, the problem with that is it's all pronto, prego, ciao, isn't it? And um, but I, I can. Uh, that's not very good for for, for a podcast. But I, I can remonstrate in Italian pretty well. Just a bit gesticulating, you mean? Gesticulating. Yeah. Um, so, so you essentially you re, you you will be on the phone to agents, sort of from different, or do you no, email them? Well, how, how does it? Tell you how it starts. I mean, normally you'll you'll then draw up a list of targets and um, and you'll whittle those targets down to. Um, the main ones. I won't go into the f- finer detail in terms of how we then categorise because that's probably got a competitive advantage, we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if we say we want to go after Stephen Naismith, for instance, then uh, the rules dictate that you have to make contact with the host club first of all, and that's what we do. Yeah. Um, and I'll do that. Di- if it's a club that we know, I'll do that directly. If I know that there's no, going to be no language barrier, then I'll do that directly. So I'll contact uh, whoever it is that I know at that particular club, and the uh, the conversations start. Uh, sort of Alex Neil spoken about essentially needing to recruit a recruitment team. Oh, he sort of spoke about that a couple of months ago. Yeah. I mean, are you happy now with the team you got? Are you still looking well, for, that, 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 to add to that? We've got a head of scouting and we've got a head of technical scouting, and they've got people working within them. So uh, we were almost going back to basics in terms of needing to rebuild that team yeah. when Barry left, and I think that may have cost us a little bit of time last summer. Um, but it didn't mean that we weren't active. We were perhaps active later in the window than we normally are. Um, I think that if you can, you should get your players signed in the summer in June yeah. and July so that they can have a pre-season. Um, so, yeah, we were a little bit later. Uh, and whilst we signed seven in the end, there were two or three that kind of hit the post because because of matters outside of our control. I mean, you know, there was a, a centre-half from Italy that was coming here who wanted to join us. We'd agreed the fee with his club. We'd agreed everything with the agent, but the deal depended on them signing their replacement, and that, and that didn't happen. And we had three of those happen in the last week where there was absolutely nothing we can do other than then try and try and look at a plan B in each case. Yeah. So uh, if you look at January, we were looking at uh, strength, strengthening the squad. We thought the squad needed some support in order to get over the finishing line, so we... We identified with Alex, we needed a 5, a 9, a 2 and a 10. Yeah. And those are the four areas that we wanted, 5, 9, 2 and 10. I don't think, listening to the supporters in the build-up to the window, that they massively disagreed with that then. No. Now, they might disagree with that now. <laughs> and that's why the football manager, in my view, has the hardest job of all of ours because every decision he makes in terms of his team and his team selection has to be done in advance of the game. But of course, we football fans, it's easy for us to criticise him with the benefit of hindsight. If we see somebody in whatever position having a bad game or making a mistake. Now, when the football managers, when Alex has decided to pick his team and set his team up, he has no way of knowing that these players are going to make individual errors in the way that they are. Mm. And yet when we wax lyrical about the game afterwards, we're experts, aren't we? And that's kind of... I think the key difference between what he has to do and what the rest of us do. Well, I think most fans were really happy at the end of this transfer window, so all it takes is just spending 25 million, everyone. <laughs> Easy. 
Yeah, yeah, no, and it was it was helped, of course, because we we had a couple of players out, and we had uh, some decent fees in for those. So mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm always have a mind on balancing the books because, um, as I say, I, I can only spend what we earn. And I know it sounds like it's a gone wrong record. Saying, well, it's true. It's like in that respect, our football club is like a normal business in terms of trying to stay afloat all of the time. You know, we we don't have, and I know they've done brilliantly, but we, you know. And Leicester, what a fantastic story. But I forget how much they spent on getting promoted. It was something like 70 million. Yeah. It's not particularly a fairy tale, really. Leicester no, no. And, and also, and I would have loved, seriously loved it to have been a fairy tale at, uh, at Bournemouth. Hmm. But they're owned by a very rich Russian. You know, it's, it's a rich Russian that's putting money into there. And they've done brilliantly. You know, managers doing well, some really good players. But, you know, it's. Um, it's a case of a, a hugely wealthy benefactor helping them. I guess I'm a little bit envious. Are you open to rich Russians? <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. Are you open to rich Russians coming to the putting money into Norwich City football? I club? am. I'm not going to lie. I'm very open to rich yeah, Russians. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? We've got the best owners. There's no doubt. Best owners in the game, honestly, because that year we were in League One. We went to Yeovil twice and Carlisle twice, and you know, Delia and Michael are there. Yeah every step of the way with the rest of us. You won't get that at any other club. But it's an interesting one. If you were to ask Chelsea fans and Manchester City fans about Abramovich and Mansoor and, and where they are, um, w- you know, would they change it? Of course they wouldn't. Um, I, I don't know. I think, um, for me, uh, I think sometimes some of those benefactors can bring in some huge benefits to the game. And I think what's happening at Manchester City in, in East Manchester, which is... Not the, you know, it's quite a gritty area. Yeah. They've done wonders in developing the community. And so I think sometimes the benefactors, if they then help the overall community, I think that's a good thing. But I don't know, I think there's a place for owners who are as specialist and brilliant as Dina and Michael. Mildly sitting on the fence there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I would, being an Irish fan. I don't think I would want someone to be... I'm, you literally I, just changed your mind within two minutes. Don't know what I say. Oh, yeah, I was just I was opening That was a hilarious joke. But I'm saying I, well, I would... I don't think I would want someone massively rich to mm. not know Norwich. I know yeah. I'm speaking not on behalf of like 0.001% of Norwich fans, but... No, I don't, I don't, don't, I don't think you are. I think, I think perhaps... There's a worry of, about it as well, isn't there? There's, yeah. Because you've seen so many clubs yeah. go down that path and it's not gone well for them. So. Yeah. Don't like change around here. <laughs> well, no, but, but the, the Portsmouth story is, is a, you know, an interesting one. We, we, you know, as a game, we've got to avoid that, haven't we? And, yeah. and I know... You know, they're Portsmouth and they're Portsmouth fans, but they have got a brilliant f- fanatical support base down there. And they've been abused by a series of wrong owners, really, who yeah. then have taken them to the brink of going into the, the oblivion. And, you know, they're fighting their way back from League Two. So we wouldn't want that to happen to this great club. So one sort of final question, unless you've got it on transfer, is a lot of people talk about the location of Norwich. I mean, do you think that pay, plays a factor in it? I mean, we've got Nando's. Is it, what <laughs> no, more do they need? I, I, we've got two you know, Nando's. We've got two Nando's. I, I completely disagree, but I, I think I understand what the problem is. It's not this fantastic city that we've got. This is one of the country's best secrets. It's, uh, you know, most of us, that when we arrive here, we think, wow. Yeah. Um, Norfolk, what a place to, to live, whether you're... A, you know, young single guy coming here to play football for Norwich City or a family man, what a place to live. It's the best, the best county, no doubt. Those things are not an issue. Those things can be an issue for me if I'm trying to get rid of a player <laughs> and, and they like you around here. And right. guess what? How many ex-players, how many ex-players return to, yeah, yeah. to these here parts? 
the issue is that um, it's Colney and why we need to develop Colney to being the best possible training facility of its kind, best in class, world leading, a place where elite athletes look at and think, wow. Now, it's okay, it's fine. And is it got, Premier League standard at the moment, do you say? Uh, it's definitely Premier League standard, and clearly the, the vision that was shown 20-odd years ago when it was developed was absolutely spot on for, for then. Um, Colney's probably suffered in those years when we had less than no money that we didn't invest, and we are catching up. And Colney today compared to Colney five years ago is night and day. However, we need to do more. So when I'm bring, or we are bringing in a, a potential new player to the squad and they're looking around the facilities, bear in mind they come to this fantastic old ground once every fortnight when they're here. But they actually live and work at Colney. So all of their week is spent at Colney. So Colney is really important. Yeah. So Colney needs to do two things for me when we fully develop it. When a prospective new recruit or indeed an existing player walks in or goes through the driveway, they say, wow. They say, wow, this is a fantastic football facility. And then when they go into the buildings and into the dressing rooms and they go into all of the other facilities, they say, there's everything that we need here for a Premier League world-class footballer. So it means things like, which we don't have at the moment, a hydration pool, absolutely vital. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to build an Olympic-sized swimming pool at Colney. That would be, you know, that would be bling for the sake of bling. But we do need a hydration pool there to make certain that our players are in the best possible condition. So going back to, you know, this whole Norfolk and Norwich and location thing, it's, it's piffle. International players l- love it. They also know that it's a lot closer to London yeah. than lots of places are. And London is important to international young wealthy men for lots of reasons. Um, it's, you know, it's the cosmopolitan capital of, of the world in many respects. So, so there's an attraction there that we are close to London. Um, but Colney, we have to work on it. And honestly, if we don't develop the infrastructure anywhere else, we're going to have What's to do something about Colney. time scale on that? Start this summer, and we've got um, a full-size 3G floodlit, um, uh, state-of-the-art new uh, pitch going in, artificial pitch going in to complement. We've got a a beautiful Deso uh, replica of this at Colney, which is probably better than this pitch (laughs) because it's not surrounded by four stands, so it it weathers better. So we're going to do another one of those. There'll be two plus the artificial pitch. We're going to relay the dome. So that will be um, quite a significant amount of expenditure. Yeah. We then need to develop the academy pitches because they are clearly not at the Premier League standard yet. And then the infrastructure behind the buildings. And, and when I say buildings, it's, we're not worried about offices. We're worried about hydration pools, mm. gymnasiums, sports science labs, medical labs, uh, the physio rooms. Um, uh, there will be some uh, relaxation rooms for players because, of, of course... Sometimes we joke about these things, but that's really important. Um, they do rest and put their feet up. It helps with bonding, I guess, if they're you know, playing table tennis or whatever. Table together, tennis starts, they're yeah. quite popular down at uh, Colney. But no, I mean, seriously, the, the rest and relaxation is as important as training. Mm. And the Nando's. There they are. You've thought about yeah, no, I think we can do better than Nando's because we're Delia's club after all. So, so, and, and, Michael, and, and Michael Folger's chicken as well. So we've got a good contact with quality chicken, not just Nando's. <laughs> oh, no, what have I done? Okay, so let's move on from that. So can we talk a little bit about modern football, if you wouldn't mind? Um, social media. 
It's massivist, obviously. Where, where, how do you feel about it? Because you don't really tweet very often, I've noticed. Not these days. No, no, I've changed, in my view. I, to answer the question firstly, social media is just where the world is going. And, you know, um, you guys, when you're grey in about 30 years' time... Already there. I'll be in my rocking chair looking out to see, saying I used to work at a football club. But whoever's in my position then, you'll be, you'll be reflecting and laughing about things like Twitter and Facebook because the world will have moved on and there'll be another iteration and there'll be another development. And I think it's really exciting. You know, this technology age that we're going to look back on is hugely important in terms of the, the ability to communicate. Um, so it's not a football thing and, uh, and it's not a, f- a feeling about it. It's just reacting and being... Reacting firstly and then being really proactive um, in, in embracing all of the things that people, but particularly young people, uh, on platforms that they want to communicate with and on. So um, we've got some good people that help the club in that respect. And so within our peer group, I think we are pretty, doing pretty well. Uh, but we want to be the best at engaging with our fans. Um, and so we need to get better at things like podcasts and talking to the movers and shakers in the world of, in the world of media. Um, it's, and it's not new media anymore, and it's not social media anymore. It's still media, isn't it? It's about communication and the ability to provide platforms to get your point of view out there. In terms of myself, my, I mean, I've learned probably... Um, interesting, I mean, because I, I quite enjoy being able to be on Twitter and to tweet... Um, and I think there's a real skill in being able to make a comment um, succinctly in 140 characters. And so over, over time, you, you, you either give up on that or get good at that. There's no middle ground. Um, my problem with it, though, now is that um, I need to avoid giving oxygen to trolls and to negative posts and negative people out there. And I'm afraid the world of media is always... If you were to do an analysis in media between positive and negative, so if you had a marketing company to do some research on it, media always tends to attract negative stuff. It's a bit like newspapers. You know, good news stories don't sell newspapers, yeah. do they? But a nice disaster or scandal on the front page of a tabloid and the figures go through the roof. So old media was the same. Social media um, is no different and kind of tends to attract uh, negative posts. When we won well away at Manchester United and we were all enjoying our Saturday night, there's a little bit of a positive blip on our social media. <laughs> I promise you, if we'd have lost Didn't that last game, long? well, if we'd have lost that game one nil, yeah, the negative. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Bump would have yeah. gone through the floor. And I'm afraid that's where social media is at the moment. And I, I, I know that um, uh, if I'm getting into some debate with some supporter about something I feel passionately about, I'm probably providing them and their viewpoint with far more oxygen than they are yeah. providing me. So I kind of tended to keep away. Do you think there's the negative side of it? Because there is such noise from Twitter and social media and you decide the sort of club notices the blips and the ups and downs. Yeah. Do you think that can add to the pressure of managers? Because obviously it's quite... It's a, there's a culture where managers <laughs> no. are sacked quite quickly these days. Do you think that yeah, adds no, to the pressure? It, 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 it can do. notice what no, it, said it, on social media. It, it can do. And, and, uh, and so I think that's why, you know, in, in a role like mine, we, we need to be very careful about what is said because things can be also misconstrued in 140 characters. Mm. You know, the, uh, the whole Stephen Fry debate this week about, you know, mm. Twitter and how he was pantsed upon because of pe- people's views about things that, Frankly, they didn't know. Yeah. They just guessed. Um, and it's the same with us, really. Um, so, so I'd love to be more active on social media, but, but I don't think that that's likely. I am encouraged often by the ticket office guys, because if there are a few tickets left or we've had some return from the away fans or buyback is an opportunity for supporters, I am encouraged then to tweet. I will if, if, um, if there's a Norwich City need yeah. to. And we get, a, to be fair, we then get quite a good take of, of response. But of course, I'll then get people jump in and say, can't sell out your stadium, which isn't true. <laughs> and, you know, the deal that we get back on buybacks um, isn't good enough. Right. And that's under review. Has there ever been a tweet you've sent? I agree, I have to, I agree with negative. that. I have to say, I'd like a little bit more. I, there's sometimes I can't make a game. Um, and, if, yeah. and if it was a little bit more... I now, would... I promise you, we're going to make it more attractive. Okay. I, completely agree i think the fact that we've got the buyback system in place is a good one because not all clubs do but i completely agree we need to make it clearer and more attractive to the supporter I to think, incur- to give the ticket back yeah i think most people do just say it to their mate for yeah. 25 quid yeah. now yeah yeah um to talking of uh, online and, and do, you, do you ever go on online forums and look at the, read those what people's opinions are because uh, i want to ask um, do you know what your nickname is online uh i probably well recently no what what i what i um what I, what I do with message boards and the like is I don't read them. Okay. But uh, Joe Ferrari and then we've got, as you know, a media team here. So, but I don't read them, but we're almost obsessed with what supporters think. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I also, it, it's, whilst I have got a really thick skin and it is as thick as anybody I've met, I promise you, it doesn't do you any good, though, to read kind of things that you know that are untrue or unfair or completely wrong. Or abusive. I mean, you know, you, you don't... For me to come in here and do the best I possibly can for the football club each day, I probably don't need to subject myself to that. So I don't, I don't read it. Um, but I will say to Joe and Gemma and Romilly and, and the other guys in the team, what's the views of the supporters? What do they think about that? What do they think about this? The Liverpool protests, what are our fans saying? All of those things. So we have those... Healthy debates about where the supporters are. Um, but I, I, as I said at the start, uh, I can't remember whether we were on air or not, but um, I cannot afford to allow either praise or criticism to affect me. It's a mistake for either one of those to get in my way, and I'm pretty determined not to do that. So, um, so about nicknames, 
I don't know. Really. It's a good one. It's nice. Which is McNasty. Oh, but that, but that, they use that in a positive way, like yeah, getting a certain amount of money from a certain team for a certain player. Yeah, listen, so but it's it's it swings and roundabouts in football, isn't it? You 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 end up uh, you end up doing well with a deal, and then um, that club will remember when you're then going back for their left back in the summer. Yeah, um, albeit <laughs> oh. prob- prob- <laughs> prob- probably uh, pro- probably in in in, in hindsight, um, whatever we paid for Robbie Brady is is a, is a bargain. Um, yeah, totally terrific. I have to say, at the time, I felt I'd uh, I'd overpaid slightly for him. Do you think? Bargain. At the time, no. At now, the time. okay. Yeah. Oh, now, now we we would, uh, oh, you know, not that we would ever want to sell him, but we'd uh, <laughs> would make a substantial profit now. Thirty-five million at least. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Irish Gareth Bale. I've, got, I've called him the uh, Irish Gareth yeah. Bale. Uh, you mentioned the Liverpool protest there. I mean, what are your thoughts on sort of the atmosphere at Carrow Road? And do do you ex- people, expect people to pay too much for tickets? Especially, you know, there's a lot of talk about twenty and yeah. thirty at the moment. Well, I think the, the difference at this great ground is we've got twenty-seven thousand seats. We give most people a discount. Um, Twenty-two thousand season ticket holders, so they they pay it at a discount to that of the casual supporter. Um, it's it's a handful of pounds per game for under twelves. Um, it's twenty six quid at the highest for um, adult season ticket holders who pay the most commonly paid price, which would be in the Barclay. Um, before people ring in and say, "Ah, oh, but I pay slightly more yeah. or slightly less." So twenty six quid a game down to three ninety nine or four ninety nine, I think, for an under twelve, which is a great price. The average price play paid for a seat here, though, taking into account casuals. For Manchester City or West Ham and season to Golders is, is £24.91. Now we pay VAT, so that nets out at £20.70 odd, I think. Now I don't think that is overcharging people in the Premier League uh, in 2016. Average to the club, 20 quid plus the four quid that then goes to the exchequer for VAT. So I think our ticketing pr- um, pricing and strategy is, is okay. Um, I think we've got a real challenge here in attracting younger supporters um, because they've been starved whilst we've had season ticket waiting lists and not the ability to to sell to younger fans. Um, so I think that's a real issue for us. Um, one of the meetings earlier today was talking about that group between who I feel really sorry for between 18 and 21. I'm, I'm envious of that group because it's great to be between 18 and 21. But it's a, it's a tricky one because often you'll have had your ticket paid for by parents or yeah. guardians and then you're at work or you're at college and they say, well, over to you. Um, so we're going to have a look at the casual pricing for 18 to 21-year-olds. I can't promise any brand new scheme, but we are going to have a look at it because we do understand that that's a challenge. So I, uh, I think our pricing is okay. I think 18 to 21 is, a, is, is a, an issue. I think young fans is an issue. So we need more seats here. Um, I, I cannot answer um, the issue about a- atmosphere. I think everybody, I think everybody accepts that we would all like it to be better at Carrow Road. Um, it's certainly been a lot better in in, in other seasons, um, and so I, I don't have the answer. I, I know the fans often will need the players to do something so that they can bounce off them, and vice versa. Um, it's interesting because, you know, we're not bringing back clap banners and the like, yeah. but Leicester City introduced yeah. clap banners and they have them every game now. Um, 
the problem is with any kind of gimmick, and those are a little bit gimmicky, is that if you're doing well, then they are the reason for you doing well. If you lose a game, then the reason that you've yeah. lost the game. And, they get and, and, to be, well. and to be fair, neither is true, is it? Yeah. It's it's not about the gimmick, but I think you know if, if supporters have got suggestions for improving the atmosphere here, then we're all ears because we, we'd like to do something. I mean, the average age is probably going up, it's fair to say, isn't it? I'm, a, I'm afraid that's yeah. by dint of the scarcity factor and the fact, you know, we're not allowing in younger supporters yeah. because we don't have the spare seats. Do you think the sort of casual tickets, if they're, say, 49 quid, 50 quid, that puts off someone, an 18 to 21-year-old? That's a lot of money yeah, for, ma- for anyone, really. Yeah, ma- maybe, but 80% of all tickets here are 30 quid or less. Hmm. Um, and again, you know, we, we are... That, that's not casual tickets, so that... That's yeah, no, well, it includes a, a whole chunk of casual tickets, um, but not all of them, no, because there are obviously prices at 35, 40, yeah. 45. Um, I think that the dilemma we've got, of course, on pricing is that what we earn, we can spend. But you're never going to make everyone happy. I know that. I personally want to pay less on my season ticket. Naturally, mm. I'm, I'm a consumer. Yeah. So it's just it's your job to, yeah. to, to get the most money in to come to the club. You can spend on more Robbie Brady's. Yeah. Yeah. And I can spend on shirts with the word Robbie Brady on the back. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's the virtuous circle, isn't it? I, yeah. But uh, look, we are aware of, uh, of tickets and ticket pricing being an issue. We are hugely supportive. And we're one of the big campaigners for the... Premier League away supporters yeah. initiative we've provided seven special pricing initiatives for away games so far this season uh, the latest one is Swansea where we've, we've discounted the tickets ourselves mm. down to 10 quid and it's either free coaches or low price on coaches I can't remember which but either way it's costing us about £70,000 um, it's our money it's not the Premier League money it's our it's money it's weekly wages isn't it Oh gosh! <laughs> I don't ask that. It's uh, oh, well, I, I can guarantee it, it's a number of his weeks. <laughs> can't can't guarantee what number. Um, so, sort of talking about modern football is say you were head of the FA. Yeah. Uh, if you which change, it will be one day, obviously. obviously. If you could change one thing about how football is run, what how what would you change? Um, oh, well, I I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't want to be the head of FA, I don't think. Um, I, David so, Manley rules himself out. So, of... <laughs> yes. Don't say that, huh? Yeah. I, I, do you know what I'd probably do? The one thing I'd do, it's um, whether it gets you into trouble or not, I'd scrap FIFA and start again. Okay. I, yeah. I think I think FIFA, I think uh, FIFA, I don't know what's the phrase, a busted flush. Hmm. Um, it's, I think, I don't think it's going to take more than, if, if it, Reforms in a in a similar guise to the previous one. I think it's going to, in my lifetime, it won't ever have any credibility. So yeah. I'd start off with a a different international body. I think um, now you, you'll wait a long time for that to happen. That's not going to happen. But if you said what one thing that I would change internationally, I'd get rid of FIFA and all of the all of the mess and all of the bad noise and all of the bad news that's associated with that ugly organisation. And I'd start afresh with a different international body. And then, do you know what? You'd end up with better FAs, I think, eventually yeah. around, around, the, around the world, including our own. Can I ask why you wouldn't want to be chief of the FA? Um, well, I, I think I've got a much better job than that anyhow. I think working Good in clubs... Yeah. I, I think working in... Well, I think this is, a, well, this is a brilliant, brilliant football club. But working in club football suits somebody like me who, you know, 
every waking breath is is devoted to Norwich City. Yeah. But I'm the sort of person that works well under that intensity and that scrutiny. Not everybody does. You know, there are lots of people who are very successful in their careers who need weekends off and holidays. You know, every, as I say, my focus is just on Norwich City. Is that to the detriment of other things at times? Absolutely. But we have a choice that we can make. And so, you know, my, my uh, whole reason to be is to try and do as well as I can for this club. So genuinely wouldn't be interested in working for the FA. Um, unless, of course, Norwich sacked me. <laughs> and I might need a job then. <laughs> wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I would, I, would you be like FA in charge of the FA? Well, just... I, I wanna, my, my biggest thing that I've, I've been for a long time, nearly 10 years now, because I wrote a blog a long time ago, I want more technology in football <laughs> for referees. Mm. I, I, I've got any big decision, not just throw-ins mm. and things or fouls, like any big yeah. decision, red cards, goals, penalties, it takes yeah. five seconds to go to a to TV screen to make sure things are correct. What do you think about I think, I think I think most people in the game would agree with what you just said. Not everybody, but most would. I think FIFA, again, were the ones that dragged their feet about goal line technology. When I was at Fulham, we wrote papers on the subject and we got the whole support of the Premier League. And FIFA were knocking it. It was only you know, post-Frank Lampard goal, which was across the line by about yeah. 30 feet, that they then said, yeah, we've got a problem here. So belatedly, they came to the party. And goal line technology works brilliantly in the Premier League and other leagues. That's fantastic. Um, I'm with you in terms of the, where we should use it. Is it a goal? Is it not a goal? Is it a penalty? Is it not a penalty? Is it a sending off? Is it not a sending off? I think it's just and, those, those three. Yeah, I think, but generally, penalty area decisions. I wouldn't use it for offsides because there's too many incidents. Um, I would perhaps use it with a fourth official who could then, you know, if there's something that's happened off the ball um, with some violent conduct mm. or there's simulation, then I think there should be one or two other areas that they're allowed to look at. Um, and you know, I think in that respect, you wouldn't need a fifth official. You just make proper youth of the fourth official. Who... Rather than just be like Jeremy. Sorry, rather than being just like Jeremy Kyle, gets shouted at by left and right yeah, I'd, managers. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd probably get into trouble if I said what I thought about fourth officials. But no, I'd I'd put them up in the studio here yeah. and with the right technology, and you know. I mean, the, the ball's only in play, I think, for about 66 minutes yeah. anyhow. So yeah. let's go to war on sip- simulation. Let's go to war on time-wasting. So let's save minutes from that. And if you're stopping the game, then you're stopping the clock anyhow. So, yeah. To be fair, that was a lovely little dive from Wes against Watford last season. I didn't say that. It wasn't a dive. It was a, a big foul. Um, so the, the kind of last couple of things we want to ask. Um, Alex Neal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... Uh, no one, no one could have. You could have put a, a quid on. You'd have got a million quid mm. back to, to get mm. if it, to be him to be the manager. So obviously, it wasn't. It was a very detailed and um, controlled decision mm. by yourself and the board. When did he first kind of come on your radar, if you can remember? Because I, I, I read somewhere that you're very swayed by um, statistics. Is that true? Would you say? Well, it, it, it is, but it's a little bit more than that. Because I, I. I uh, if you're looking at things like Moneyball, which is totally stats-driven, or you're looking at the old way of you know these great, clever guys watching matches, um, I don't agree with either system. I think the best system is somewhere in between the two, where you have got the stats and the analysis, where you are looking at what those numbers tell you. 
but you've also got expert technical people who can properly watch a football match telling you the qualities that you're looking for. So I think both of those things are really important. I think the... um, I worked for Celtic for four years, so I understand the Scottish game, I think, a little bit more so than perhaps the average English football fan. Um, And I've got connections, clearly, given my time there. Um, So when we are looking at stats from around the world, we include Scotland. And we, you know, I think we were lucky that we didn't underestimate the fantastic job that Alex did with, you know, Hamilton and their wage bill, which is like that compared to a Dundee United and an Aberdeen and a Kilmarnock and off the scale compared to a Celtic. And this was, you know, a young player manager gone in there and they were, he was beating Celtic and Aberdeen and Inverness and Kilmarnock. And he's taken Hamilton to the highest position, I think, in their history. And so that was very impressive. But it was more than that. You know, when we're looking at employing anybody, I always look at four things. Knowledge, knowing what to do. Skill, knowing how to do it. Experience, have they got the right level of experience that you need? And then the fourth thing is attitude, which is what are they like to work with? What kind of person are they? Um, the attitude is probably, for me, if you were to say which is the most important, that one is providing you've got ticks in the box on the other three. And, you know, I wanted somebody who was really hungry, somebody that could coach. Um, but most importantly, I needed somebody that was a true leader who could galvanise a group of 25 young men to promotion and somebody who had terrific man management skills. And was he the one man you wanted? Was he we, uh, target? We looked at uh, <laughs> we looked at 450. <laughs> Whittled that uh, down to... And in all seriousness, we, we, we started with a database of 450. Is this your sort of internal list of European managers? It, it's a list. Let's say that it's something... So we started with 450, seriously, that have been monitored. Um, and, of course, we whittled it down to a short list of 389. There was a really strong short list um, that we looked at, um, which we then debated the merits of the short list, for, for me, Alex was the standout character and it was a, a unanimous choice by the whole of the board. Uh, I heard some kind of sort of mischievous tittle-tattling saying that some of the board hadn't supported his, his appointment. I promise you, 100% of the board were fully behind Alex Neil. Can I assume the fact he was, his age, he was kind of freakishly high up that list, was he? For such a young manager? Um, the same age as me, by the way. Yeah, no, to be fair, I think if you're a leader and a great man manager, then age doesn't come into it. He had, he had almost as much football management experience as Chris Hewton, um, almost, and Chris is a lot older. So, it wasn't, so the, the age, in a way, wasn't relevant, yeah. providing he was a mature guy, and clearly he's, you know, he is a very mature young guy, um, somebody who's... who's um, uh, brilliantly focused and um, I believe everybody's got an ego but his ego is completely under control mm. um, it's, it's easy for managers to allow their egos to get the better of them it, that won't happen with him I think, I think what you need to do is, is uh, the great thing now is you've got systems that can help you with stats and analytics and the like and we've got lots of those systems here so um, um, 
we have a look at everything, don't we? But we would want, personally, I'd like Alex Neil to be our manager for a very long time. Can, will he be our manager at the end of the season? Is there any way he won't be our manager? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to think that he'd be enticed away from us by another club. I mean, you know, he's... Um, whilst he's got a huge challenge on his hands, we think he's done a brilliant job. My personal, my, my, my personal opinion, again, people are going to disagree with this, Sean Dyche. Just look what he's done to, to Burnley, mm. kept him going. I think... I, I yeah, think it, well, it, Steve Bruce at Hull as well, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even if relegation does happen, there's... No, but but th- if we relegated Alex Neal as our manager and a season enticed away... Well, I, I, genuinely, I don't think we'll get relegated. I think, we're, I think um, 17th or better, which was the aim at the start, will be achieved. Um, I, so I, I think we'll, we've got enough about us to finish. I think we might finish 16th, 15th, 14th, who knows. So we've got enough about us. Um, but his, uh, Alex Neal as our manager, gosh... Um, We'd want him to be our manager for a long, 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 long time. I agree. So yes, then I think. I, think so. I agree. Yeah. Go on then. We're, we're, we're going to finish up now. So one last question from. Yeah, from unless, Dan. You, unless you're happy to talk for longer, then. No, I've got work to do. I'm afraid, <laughs> chaps. <laughs> Only running a football club. <laughs> go on, yeah. go on and do it. I guess. I mean, how how long do you see yourself at Norwich? And also, what would you like your legacy to be here? Um. How long? I don't know. That depends on... number. I think in a role like mine, that depends on a number of things. It depends on the board of directors, of course, and Delia and Michael in particular, because they are the majority shareholders. It depends on the shareholders, because they own shares in the football club. But more than anything, it, de- it depends on the supporters. Uh, don't get me wrong, listen, I know I'm not in my ro- role. As I've said, I'll never win. The best I can ever do is draw. Um, so, but I'm, being, I'm, I'm not complaining, I'm being pragmatic. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not expecting to to worry too much about plaudits um so a lot is in the hands of those other stakeholders so the owners the board the shareholders and the supporters but particularly the supporters because i'm not stupid um in terms of legacy what would i like well i i, I know when I, I joined that it was a david a, mcnally stand it was <laughs> no when i joined it was wouldn't it be fantastic to be part of a club that could go through the leagues to the premier league and we did that, didn't we? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not saying that that was to do with me. Of course, it wasn't. But to be part of that, ninety-five percent of. But to be part of that for all of us, supporters and fans and players and the people that work here, that was just a magical, magical experience. And uh, again, the other one that we've probably had a blip on, which was, you know, I'd, I'd like to be involved with a club that has, with Norwich City at a time when it has its longest continuous spell in the top division. Um, now clearly we've had to start again yeah. after two years ago um, but that would still be a goal and I would love 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 that you know when I'm in that rocking chair saying I used to work for a football club I'd love that Carrow Road is 36,000 to 40,000 capacity and Colney is the envy of our, of our peer group clubs I'd love that to be a legacy right and a statue naturally as well no I'm not into <laughs> uh, I'm not into gimmicks Oh, that's a good ending. Well, thank you very, very thank much you. for your time, David. Very welcome. Star. And good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. chaps. Cheers. And there we have it. We spoke to David for a long time. It's good, though. It was good. He was yeah. really relaxed. He was really relaxed, I noticed. He spoke very logically about things. Yeah. He, you know, he thought about his answers. No, I think the most interesting thing was 
the Colney thing for me, just saying how that is the way, one of our things we always used to say was how good our facilities were, and that's used to bring people yeah. in. And now he's saying that's the opposite. That's what people turning people away. That maybe that's why Haller didn't come. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I also think that him not knowing his nickname online, McNasty. I know. Yeah. I think he Genu- knew it. He went, oh, is it? He was quite a little bit proud of it. I thought. No, that, I genuinely didn't think he did know it. Oh. The way he's his little bit books. Oh, yeah, McNasty. McNasty. Uh, yeah, there's lots of good stuff, and I mean, it does seem like whatever happens, Alex Neal was backed by uh, McNally. I don't I think thought. so, maybe. Because he didn't actually answer the question fully, did he? Never actually gave a proper answer. Uh, anyway, we'll soon find we'll out soon when find we out. go down. <laughs> um, so, as we said at the very beginning, we are fan-funded. That means the people who come to the podcast every week and read our articles on every week, which we always do, are giving us like a couple of dollars a, a month. We, we use a thing called Patreon, which is a, a fan-funding um, website which you can just give a, a pound a month to and it keeps us going and we can do yeah. more of these things and do a lot more of these things if we our bills are covered and it means no adverts on a podcast such as this no, no betting adverts. sponsors or anything like that uh so yeah it's just on patreon.com and with a little yellow bird project on there have a look we've got about uh, 50 60 people so far helping us out which we're yeah. really really proud of and thank every single one who just makes us a little bit Embarrassed a little bit. A little bit, yeah, but ju- yeah, it's just... It's good. We can't quite believe people do that, but, no. but they do do that. And we thank everyone, so thank you. Yeah. So, if you want to come back next week, we have a podcast every week. Obviously not this week, because we've got no game. <laughs> but the next following week, and it's also 22 episodes on iTunes yep. and on the website you can listen to. We have some fun. We do some swear words. We have a little competition every yeah, now and then. Yeah, we do little ske- well, a few little sketches, sketches and, and then we talk music. about the football as well. Exactly. So, there we go. The littleyellowbirdproject.co.uk. And come say hello or abuse us at on Twitter at the LYBP, uh, which yeah. is where we live. That's true. It went all right, didn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. We'll let probably- us know. Yeah. Tell us what we didn't should have asked. <laughs> and ma- imagine yourself next to him. And he's got a knife in his hand. <laughs> we, we should maybe we should say it was in a room at Carrow Road uh, in the Gerald Stand, yep. uh, uh, in a big table, sort of conference room. You know, he was sort of very warm and welcoming, wasn't he? Very. I enjoyed it. Yeah. We were really nervous, weren't we? We, we were bricking ourselves a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we we're going to walk into a room and there'd be a tiger, and nothing else in. <laughs> yeah. Well, McNally handling the tiger on a chain, probably. Yeah. Thank. I hope you enjoyed it as well. That's the most important thing. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it and you enjoyed listening to it. Well, thanks very much for listening and we hope to speak to you soon yeah we do see you later bye